Welcome to Two Guys, One Book, where two friends tackle their reading list one book at a time. because I'm going to be busy. All right. Welcome back. Oh, we started. Yeah. Okay. Here we are. Hello, Tim. Hey, Brian. Yes. We are back. Better than ever. Uh, and we have finally finished our next book. Uh, this book is Dune by Frank Herbert. I picked it. This is Brian Pick. And we, it took us so long because it's a long book, apparently. It took me pretty long. Yeah. It took we me a little longer. We were waiting on Tim to finish because I met, you know... It's a book that I wanted to read, so I was excited to read it. It was like six, 700 pages or something like that. It's long, but um, I enjoyed it, so I uh, went through it quicker. But Tim eventually finished as well. So, <laughs> Are we doing first impressions now? Yeah, let's do first impressions, Tim. I liked it. You liked it? Yeah. Oh, it just took you longer was... to finish. Yeah, I mean, it's a, so the audiobook's like 20-some hours. Uh-huh. Um, What's a typical audiobook? Typical... I want to say around like ten to twelve. Oh, I I mean it. Okay, it really varies. I'm sure by genre. And right, like, right. But uh, but yeah, twenty one or whatever this was is mm-hmm. above average. Mm. Um, but yeah, very creative and very good world building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of it as like Star Wars meets Game of Thrones meets mm. uh, all these different like sci-fi <laughs> epics in one. <laughs> It's like a space opera or something. <laughs> yeah, genre. yeah. So, what? But no, how do you? What do you think of it? I liked it a lot. It was uh-huh. something that I, I, I actually had the physical copy of the book. Bought it a long time ago, and it just kind of sat on my bookshelf. Like, mm-hmm. I have books on my bookshelf that I buy with intentions of getting around to reading them one day. Mm-hmm. So I think this is one benefit of the podcast we're doing is that we are getting to the, the various books that on our reading list that have been overlooked for some time. So. It's been good to get some of these books read, and this is one that I have been putting off for too long because it is very good. I enjoyed it a lot, and I too had a lot of felt this book had a lot of parallels to Star Wars. Do you think so? This came out before Star Wars, though. Correct. Right? So George Lucas stole everything from Dune. I I had that <laughs> thought. I did because George. I thought. I mean, you know. There's no force in this one. There's no... Yeah, but, like, okay, the Jedi, you know, like, the Benny Gesserit stuff, mm-hmm. and, like, um, everything with Paul felt like he was Luke Skywalker, like, the right. main character. Right. Like, there's a lot of, like, Jedi similar stuff, I thought. I guess with, like, the uh, the whole everything is connected and you have to be... Like, Jedis are, like, kind of stoics, you know? Like, they're, they remove their emotional... Um, extremes to try to be steady and focused on what they can control and what they cannot control and um i think paul is very similar and what's that that quote that's like so popular fear is the mind killer yes it's like their mantra that yeah fear is the mind killer is the benny yeah benny jesuit type uh motto i guess um or one of the many aphorisms they have Mm -hmm. yeah i liked it a lot i i i I think your parallels to Game of Thrones is interesting too. I never thought of that because I haven't watched Game of Thrones, but Dune, the whole world of Dune or universe of Dune really is has these different planets diff- controlled by different houses. That, that this is the part that I didn't quite understand of the Dune was that you had all these different houses and then they were led by some emperor, but then there was also the Space Guild which controlled space travel. So they had a monop- the Space Guild had a, have a monopoly on space travel. So they kind of have a lot of political power to um, get the houses and, uh, the, and the great houses and the emperor to bend towards their will. Mm-hmm. 
But, um, yeah, I didn't quite understand it. Did you follow that? No, that's the thing. Like, yeah, it's hard to keep track of all that stuff. Because it's a fictional universe, and you're just trying to piece everything together. So it's like, how do I know the ins and outs of this thing when you're just trying to comprehend it? Right. But just going off that, like, the fact that he did incorporate all this political... Uh, all these political aspects to it makes it interesting, I think. Because mm-hmm. you you usually don't think of that with a sci-fi uh, universe. It's like you don't think about the politics as much. It's True. more just like the aliens and fighting and blah, blah, blah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And um, I felt like that is one, the whole, I, I, I thought it was, it definitely made the story more dynamic and you realize that there was so much more going on off just the planet of Dune because this whole book takes place, well, they started at their home planet Right? What was the home planet its name again? Uh, oh, Arrakis? No, Arrakis is I a city they... on Dune. Okay. <laughs> no, Arrakis is... They're Atreides. Arrakis is the name of the planet, Dune. Yeah. Yeah, Dune yeah. is... So the planet's name is Arrakis. That has, and this planet has... Maybe we should start with a little synopsis. All right, you go for it, yeah. All right. I know we kind of dove right in. <laughs> but basically, uh, this young man, Paul is like a teenager and he's a son of a duke and they are being moved from one planet to another planet the planet they are leaving is kaladin i think kaladin yeah, yes. yeah, yeah which is a lush beautiful planet and the planet they're going to is arrakis or also called dune uh and arrakis is a desert planet with extreme heat and hardly any water but there is a city of Arakeen on the on this planet of Arrakis where they set up their home, and then the Duke is killed, and Paul, the teenager, and his mom, the Lady Jessica, have to go into exile into the desert where they're taken in by these a uh, group of pe- people native to Arrakis called Fremen, and the Fremen then uh, have this kind of mace, uh, messiah legend mm-hmm. that. Paul seems to be fulfilling, and then Paul ends up leading. Paul and his mother, Lady Jessica, help the Fremen build up their forces to attack the the Harkonnens, who are now control of the planet since the Duke died. Yeah, so he. That's a good synopsis. Thank you. Um, I tried to keep it as brief as I could. Yeah, we'll go into more details. We but can. Paul yeah. had so many names as like the Messiah. <laughs> It's just yeah. like that's hard to keep track of. He like, did. Muadib or Usul or yeah. what was the other one? Lisa Al Gaib or something. Oh, uh, that was their Lisa Al Gaib was more like um, the name of the one who would be. It's more. I think that was more abstract. That was yeah. more like the role he was fulfilling was the right. Lucille Al Gaib oh, okay, okay. or something. But he was yeah yeah the Fremen called him Usul and then mm-hmm. everyone else was he was Paul Muadib. Or Muadib, and then he just became Muadib, and I, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, that was kind of. There's weird. a lot of fictional words in this in general, like yeah. um, something like a Clockwork Orange, which he invents some of his, of his own vocabulary. Yeah. So I'm like highlighting on my Kindle, like to look it up in a dictionary, like oh, what's this word? It's like oh, it's fictional, part of the Dune universe. I'm like oh well. Well, yeah, I mean, I I liked that a lot because I in my hard copy of the book there was actually a, a glossary in the back that defined. Dune specific uh, words oh, okay. and organizations to help clarify some things, which I find helpful. I don't think it wasn't as extreme as Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read a Clockwork Orange? I mean, no, I haven't read it, but okay, I know, but you like, know. some of the slang. Yeah, yeah. right. The Clockwork Orange is really heavy with the, the slang and an alternate language used by the, the youth in that 
world of Clockwork Orange. And so that the physical copy of the book of Clockwork Orange has, a, for me, my book has a glossary in the back for that, which was very helpful. Mm -hmm. But what I found, what I enjoyed about Clockwork Orange is by the midway, midway through the book, you don't even need the glossary anymore. You're just reading it and you're, you, you fully understand what these weird words mean. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty cool. I, I like that kind of like transformation of yourself at, as, as you read Clockwork Orange. Yeah, you know, and I, and you know, so Dune has a lot of special words specific to Dune, but I don't think it was as overpowering as you can use, but it was still yeah. You can use uh, context clues to mm -hmm. basically understand most everything. Yeah, and it was still something you had to get used to with this book. How was it for the audiobook? Did you you had to slow it down on your? You uh, couldn't listen to it at time and a half speed because you didn't know. It all depended the on the section. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the audiobook was pretty cool. They had like voice actors doing oh, different did. roles. Oh, so like okay. the Baron Harkonnen had like a really deep like mm -hmm. evil voice, and then everyone had their own character. So right. it was pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Now. Have have other books that we've done for the podcast have had different characters Usually like that? Usually, it's one narrator mm -hmm. is is the kind of the standard for audiobooks, so right. it's fun to get one like this. But I guess novels would be the more um, novels would be the types of book used in audiobooks with mm -hmm. with voice actors. Yeah, it feels like a table read or like yeah. an audio play or something. Mm -hmm. It's more yeah. fun, I think. Which seems to be popular now with uh, COVID and everything. Yeah, <laughs> celebrities are doing these. I don't know, screenings of stuff Yeah, online. it would be fun to see a Dune table reading. That would mm. be cool. Well, the movie's about to come the out. The movie's coming yeah. out, too. Yeah. yeah. That's Which, exciting. By the way, the casting for that movie is mm -hmm. just, like, incredible. Cause you want to talk about that we now? We should talk about right, it. Because, like, it. I mean, just reading the book, and you're thinking about the characters, and mm -hmm. then you see who they cast, and you're like, wow, that person's, like, the perfect fit for that. Perfect fit for that. Oh, you really? Know? You thought they, they nailed it down? I mean, okay, so let's start. The people I know... Uh, Timothy Chalamet, he's yeah. the boy. Yeah. He's so, or Paul, Paul, the main character. Did you know any of these before reading the book? No, what? The, did you know some of the casting choices for the movie Dune before reading the uh, book? I mean, like, vaguely, but I didn't know how to, I didn't have any connection to it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I remember, I know, I knew Timothy Chalamet was attached and Oscar Isaac mm -hmm. and Rebecca Ferguson. And those were the main three. Mm -hmm. And so... I did not know what role Oscar Isaac had, but I kind of thought it would be the Duke, and it is. But Timothy Chalamet, once I heard he was in it, I'm like, and I'm reading the book, I'm like, oh, he's the young kid. Yeah. He's, he's the boy. He's got to be. Yeah. And Rebecca Ferguson is clearly um, Lady Jessica, and I think that's a What good, is she from? She's, she made her name in Mission Impossible movies. Okay. Um, the last two, I think, and then she was in like... The Girl on the Train, movie okay. adaptation, so and then she's also well, been in yeah. something else. But I think but she's, she's good. She's good, yeah. Oscar Isaac has been in a fair amount of sci-fi. Yeah, He's Oscar always Isaac's solid. a man. Yeah. yeah. So he I was mean, in Star Wars, which is a yeah. knockoff of Dune. So <laughs> it's very... He was in the new trilogy of Star Wars. <laughs> also, Dune, Desert Planet, that's freaking Tatooine. I know. Straight no, rip no, no. off. You're right. <laughs> Dune is equal to Tatooine. Endor Paul, is Paul Atreides is what? Endor is Kaladin. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. That's Isn't there cute. an ice planet? Hoth? I don't know. Well, there's an ice planet. Anyway. Yeah, Hoth, but we don't know if there's an ice planet. That's in like Dune. the Dune sequel, probably. Yeah. But no, so like, so, all right, so we have the main three characters. Okay, who's the guy, uh, Dave, uh, Dave Batista? Batista? Yeah. Isn't he in it? He's in the movie. Is he the Harkonnen? He is. Uh, like Baron Harkonnen? No, he is the nephew Harkonnen that oh, rules the okay, planet. okay, okay. And that's the thing, is like, so from what I can tell from the casting is I don't think the Harkonnens, the plotting that the Harkonnens did in the book mm -hmm. where 
Baron was trying to groom his one nephew while a second nephew was taking over Dune. Uh-huh. I don't think we're gonna have both nephews in the movie. Okay, I think that's got. I think that's gonna be that's cut off. They have to like fast track some of the. Yeah. yeah, which honestly it was interesting, but I didn't think it was necessary for this book. Yeah, and I think the Harkonnen chapters helped explain and show how evil the Baron was, which mm-hmm. I think was important, so that we knew clearly he was the. It wasn't like Paul was just trying to take back the title of Duke on this one planet. He was fighting against the the Baron and the whole structure of the um, universe, the government, the emperor and everything, too. Yeah. So I think it helped establish Baron as a bad guy, but I don't think the Baron's going to... I mean, he'll be in the movie, but I don't think all the scenes... But Dave Bautista looks like a good Harkonnen. Yeah, <laughs> and then, I think so. Uh, who else was in the cast? Well, Josh Brolin. And I didn't know... I reading the book, I did not know who Josh Brolin was going to be. Yeah, but he's going to be—he's Gurney Halleck. Oh, okay. Which I didn't think that fit. So he—that's the trainer of like Paul. Yeah, Gurney's the tra- trainer of Paul, and and was like Duke's right hand man. Yeah. And another guy. Well, so anyway, Gurney had a lot of wisdom, mm-hmm. but yeah, he had a soft, uh, soft side to him as well. And I just felt like when I was reading that, I guess Gurney, I was kind of picturing, um, Brendan Gleeson. I think as oh. Gurney, you know, how that's a that's that big dude, right? Yeah. How's he gonna train sword fights? Well, Matt, he, Matt I Moody. <laughs> well, I don't know. I just for whatever reason, that's who I was picturing. Like personality-wise, I can see it. Yeah. But like physically. All right. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> so who? And like, then the last one I remember is uh, Jason Momoa. Yeah. And he's in Game of Thrones. Yes. And he looks like a Duncan Idaho, which yeah. I'm pretty sure. I thought that was a good casting. Yes. Which, by the way, that's probably one of the weaker names <laughs> from the book. Duncan Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> like, come yeah. on. <laughs> Frank Herbert. That's, you can do better than that. I know. He had all these other cool names. A lot of cool names. Yeah. I think Arrakis is a good name. Arrakis. Uh, Fade Rautha. Um, oh. You know. Yeah. Oh, Zendaya is, uh, oh. what's her name? Chaney. Ch- Chaney. And, and she looks like the yes. description straight from the yeah. book. Oh, and Harvey yeah. R. Bardem is Stilgar. I think that's a good one too. Okay. Yeah. So, so Stilgar is the leader of the Fremen. Yes, of the desert people. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Paul. Okay. Sorry. I'm still going. One more thing, like one more movie connection I thought super funny is yeah. Tremors because yes. on top of everything, there are giant worms in the sand. Yeah. And it made me think of Tremors with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. The but these aren't series. like your tremor worms. They're huge. Yeah. They're bigger. These are massive. Massive creatures that like yeah swim in the sand essentially. What do you think the from desert. the trailer? What they look like? They remember? looked like big tapeworms. It's just a big hole with like yeah. teeth coming in, yeah. in the front. Right. It's just yeah. But they're like, they're like massively large. Like they could swallow a, several cars mm-hmm. in one in one bite. So so I think that's gonna be interesting because like I I felt like the worms were. A key part of Dune, but not a you know not the linchpin of it. So one of the bigger things too to connect everything together is like the role of spice in this book. Yeah. So spice is kind of like this drug, but it's also traded like oil, like this precious resource mm-hmm. in this world. And so like that's kind of the reason they're going to the planet originally, right? Is mm-hmm. the Duke and Paul and everybody is like trying to control the spice trade or be involved in it. It's almost like a currency too, right? Like the spice. You can consume it. it, you consume it, you can, you know, eat it, drink it, whatever, mm-hmm. but um, it's, like, treated as a currency as yeah. well. Like, whoever has a lot of spice has a lot of wealth, 
Yeah. I, I think what they did a good job is of like just taking you into the world from their perspective because mm-hmm. they land there pretty early on and then you're seeing everything through their eyes mm-hmm. and they're like learning as you're learning about yeah. the planet. Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, that was a good way to unfold the story. But I felt like there were times when, you know, Dune, this book is the first book of a series of books about Dune and that whole How universe. How many books are there? I do not know. Yeah, I did not look that up. But um, I know there are several because... Frank Herbert wrote many, and then even after he passed away, his son Brian Herbert wrote, continued to write uh, Dune uh, novels. So at times, I mean, like you can definitely tell that this is just one piece of a larger story, mm-hmm. like you said, with all the the different house, great houses of the different planets, and and the government of the whole universe seems to be uh, left a lot unsaid there. But so that's, I guess, one critique I would have is that as a standalone book it leaves me wanting a little bit about explanations about um the universe that it is it's set in but yeah. um but i don't think that takes away from the book yeah it stands alone i think on its own but also it felt like there's a lot of build-up and not always the payoff that mm. you're hoping like all the suspense and then like but you're like, what about these people and this part of the world? But that's yeah. like, that's where the sequels come in, I guess. I guess, yeah. It, it, it at the end, it left me wanting because, mm-hmm. like, it was just kind of like, I mean, Paul kind of is. They're they're all getting ready as Paul and the Fremen are getting ready to attack the Harkonnens and that are in control of the planet, um, and they're waiting for the sandstorm to come to attack. And even the Emperor came down from outer space, came down to the planet's surface to like take into the, the spectacle of battle. Mm-hmm. And then Sandstorms comes, they launch some bombs or something. And the next thing you know, it's like he's there, Paul's in the room and he has them, like he has the Emperor captured and all this stuff. So like he left out some like, you know, some action sequences in there. Yeah, yeah. You know? It happened kind of quickly. <laughs> yeah, how did you feel about that? Yeah, it felt almost rushed at the end. Then the emperor has a daughter, and so Paul negotiates him marrying his the emperor's daughter to form some sort of pact or something, and then that's how the book ends. Yeah, and it, so yeah, it was a little disappointing kind, there. Kind of abrupt. Yeah, yeah. But then, but then at the end, it's like Cheney and Paul are still romantically involved. So it's like in this world or universe of Dune, mm-hmm. marriages are more a matter of political. Uh, st- strategy than necessarily uh, love and commitment to the person. And it's all about the spice. It's all about the spice. Sweet, sweet spice. <laughs> um, who are your favorite characters in this? Um, I like the Duke. I mean, Paul was cool, uh, but like kind of whiny sometimes. Yeah. Um, that's why Timothy Chalamet is a good <laughs> casting fit. <laughs> he, he could be whiny. Yeah. Um, I like Chaney a lot, but I mean she was kind of more of a minor character. Not Dick Chaney, right? Stilgar, I like Stilgar. Okay. Yeah, I would have to say Stilgar. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Okay, what I think is kind of cool in this book is like um, the different roles of like uh, Mentot and Benny mm-hmm. Gesserit. Mm-hmm. So like, explain those. What are they? Okay, so like a Benny Gesserit is uh, Paul's mom, who is like. Her background is, like, this group of, like, I guess it's all women, basically. Mm-hmm. And they can, like, um, I don't know how would you des- you would describe their powers, but they have really, like, heightened social, emotional intelligence. And they can kind of, I don't want to say manipulate people, mm-hmm. but kind of, like, bend 
people's uh, behaviors to their will with their kind of social emotional abilities. Right. I think that's a good way of explaining that. Then what's a mentat? Mentat is kind of like I think of like Spock in Star Trek. So like <laughs> super like logical and like computational. That's yeah. Star Trek stole from them too. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I think that's yeah. The Mentat were our best, basically human computers, mm-hmm. like people trained specifically to be super computational and analytical. Um, so yeah, so what did you like like about well, those two it just, groups? I felt like it add more um, color into the story, just fleshing people out mm-hmm. by saying like they come from this background, so they have this ability, and um, that's something you see in these other sci-fi classics too, mm-hmm. which I think is mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah, I thought those were interesting. And the, the Bene Gesserit, one thing I found interesting was that they uh, try basically eugenics to to genetically um, match people with partners to get offspring that might be uh, highly skilled in their emotional and social, like, or maybe even telekinetic or... or That's tele- what they did telepathy. with Paul, right? Yeah, yeah. So their whole thing was um, the Lady Jessica and Duke were supposed to have a girl, but instead they had a boy. And that threw this, the Bene Gesserit's plan off, but Paul became more powerful than even the Bene Gesserit could have imagined. Mm-hmm. But then later we find out like they were, the Duke and Lady Jessica were supposed to have a girl because they would then eventually pair that girl with the Baron's nephew, Fade. Fade Rotha. Fade Rotha. Yeah. Or something. And then from that, that offspring would be. So, like, to me, like, I, at first I liked the Bene Gesserit because I felt like they were, you know, an all-female, uh, you know, con- kind of controlling things behind the scenes at times um, organization, which I thought was cool. But then they're, like, trying to get people to produce offspring that they can then mate and then produce other offspring that they can potentially use i felt was it got a little complicated it did yeah. it did and i um yeah i didn't but care for their motives then. i like that like well yeah some people saw them as like witches mm-hmm. they accused them of like yeah manipulating people outright um for like you know bad means i guess mm-hmm. but it's like um i guess things weren't like black and white with them like you right. know yeah had, Did you have a favorite character? Uh, I thought, yeah, Stilgar was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Hawat mm. was Mentat. He kind of mm. played both sides a little bit, right. so that was interesting. Um, Lady Jessica, I thought was a good character. Yeah. Um, Agreed. His mom. One thing I found interesting was the um, when they're out in the desert, they have to wear these still suits mm-hmm. because they are reclaiming the humans, their body's moisture. Mm-hmm. Um, and these still suits even include nose plugs and, and a face mask that wraps around your whole head. And so that like, it's, it's purely to capture every ounce of moisture they can. And I'm like, those would be so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you get to give. Yeah. But they look kind of cool in the trailer. Like, I feel yeah. like they did a good job of, um, yeah, transferring them. They to wear water. like these nose plugs mm-hmm. to like circulate water yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the Fremen were inspired by, like, I don't know, it had to be partly some ancient tribal societies or, like, maybe some uh, Middle Eastern, mm-hmm. like, cultures a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think there was some inspiration there. Right. I will say, too, it kind of felt, I don't know if you've seen, like, House of Cards or something, mm-hmm. like, some kind of, like, political 
um, show or movie, especially early on, because when they first get there, they're really, um, it's super tense mm-hmm. because it feels like a conflict's about to break out, which it does. But like they have this dinner scene, which I really like towards the beginning yeah. where they're just sort of like talking, but then some people are giving away like clues about the planet and it's like people from different backgrounds and it just like this underlying suspense mm-hmm. to the whole tone of it. Yeah, that was a good uh, dinner to kind of see how the Duke navigates being on a new place and having to deal with different people with different uh, agendas. Um, and Paul grows a lot that night too, I think, with seeing how his father handles things and how other people react. Um, yeah, I thought that was a good pivotal point. Yeah, and it's not just like what people would say, but like what they didn't say or like the actions like or what's behind the words kind of. Mm-hmm. And that's part of like his training and the betting Jesuit stuff is like being really like keen observers and mm-hmm. like body language and tone and everything. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. So I, one area where I can see listening to the audiobook that would be a benefit would be the pronunciations of all these yeah, names. Yeah, that helped a lot. Yeah. yeah. Because I was literally had to Google like, how do you say these names in Dune? <laughs> but you also needed the Kindle to see, have like a visual reference too though. Because mm-hmm. I'd be like, that's true. What the heck? I yeah. can't. Yeah. yeah. You, need to you hear it, but you don't know how it looks, you know, right, how right, it's spelled yeah. or something. Yeah. But yeah, I, that that's one thing that I had to take the initiative and, and <laughs> just watch YouTube videos and how to pronounce <laughs> names of Dune. So, and, then, and then they pronounce a bunch of names that weren't even in this book because the names of Dune can mean the whole, uh, the whole series. Like, series. Yeah. Yeah. So you're excited for the movie though? Mm-hmm. Okay, we saw yeah. Blade Runner 2049 yes. that he directed, and that was awesome. And he directed that, Arrival. Denny? You just don't know his name. <laughs> I don't want to pronounce it again. Denny Villeneuve or whatever. <laughs> Something Villeneuve. Like that. He's a great director. He is. Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, both great. Yeah, so yeah. if anyone so, could pull this off. like Right. No, I, yeah, I think it's going to be good. A couple I just don't people know, have is tried. It gonna, is it going to... Well, yeah, there was a Dune movie in the 80s, huh? Yeah. I heard it was kind of campy, though. It looked campy. Yeah. I like it. But, I mean, it, it was the 80s, after all. <laughs> So sorry, what were you gonna say? Is well, it... no, like I think I, I mean, it's supposed to come out in December. I think, I think December this year. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see how everything goes with the virus and everything. Yeah, or virus. Yeah, no, sorry. we'll just have to preserve our bodies, water, stock <laughs> up on spice. Yeah, those are Dune references. So yeah, I mean, did you have anything that you would change or? I probably would change. Necessary? Yeah, I would change Duncan Idaho's name for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, make it Duncan, Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, and Duncan, it. Nebraska just has a better. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The worms, I don't know. Really, you didn't, I, you weren't a big fan of. I worms? liked them. I just couldn't stop thinking of Tremors. Like, yeah, and the whole series is so campy that it is. Yeah, but I like Tremors. Yeah, but like nobody likes it because it's good. No, <laughs> they like it because right, it's true. ridiculous. True, <laughs> but uh, true. no, I like it too. Um, no, yeah. I think I just like the combination of the the world building, like I said, the mm-hmm. political aspect. I think he's good at, at characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, this is a sci-fi classic for a reason. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think every scene had a reason because, I mean, or purpose, because he would bounce back and forth. I mean, of course, most of the story focused on Paul Atreides becoming Muad'Dib in the desert, but he would go to, uh, you know, the Baron and have you know whole chapters at a time about the baron or uh, other people the duke when he was alive and that kind of thing which i thought all played into uh 
a very well told story and well uh, a, a vividly created world yeah of arrakis yeah you know? that's that's the most fun part about reading this yeah. is just kind of like going on that journey of seeing things as he imagined them right um what, i think oh, oh no sorry um we're gonna uh what do you think about the beginning of each chapter where it's like from the same teachings of Muad'Dib. Blah, right. Blah, blah. They have this little quote. At the beginning of each chapter, they... Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. At the beginning of each chapter, they had this little quote from some other writing or 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 lessons from Muad'Dib or Princess Irulan or somebody else. that I, I liked them because they... It was a glimpse into other aspects of the universe that Dune was in, but, you know, sometimes they weren't super... Uh, relevant. It was but, hard to see how they always connected. Yeah. And like, yeah, sometimes a little confusing. Right. One thing I did like about this book was that each chapter was like a scene or a prolonged scene with like, within the first pages of the chapter, you knew which characters were there and it, those would be the characters throughout the whole chapter. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so it wasn't like a lot of bouncing back and forth. Mm-hmm each chapter was a, a specific scene like and so i feel like it's very easily can be made into a movie which i think it will be good yeah it was easy to follow in that sense yeah. for sure like yeah. some sci-fi is just like this movie tenant we saw recently <laughs> uh, it's Greatest all over movie the place ever. no i would not recommend it <laughs> really you would not recommend Tenet? like if you want to just hear see an action movie hear a lot of gunshots not hear anybody's dialogue oh man <laughs> I mean, okay, it's Christopher Nolan. Yeah. It's like cool how it's, it's filmed and stuff. It's it's but like it's way too confusing. But it's completely original. For how confusing it is, oh, yeah. He God. set the bar for <laughs> It all makes sense if you can follow the timeline. Imagine if this about... were a book. This would be like the Tenet? most Yeah. That'd be a hard book. Yeah, it's a hard movie. It's <laughs> like I want to see the screenplay just because I want to uh-huh. see what he was thinking, like in mm-hmm. words. Although that got me it? down a Christopher Nolan rabbit hole on YouTube, and I saw this video of him explaining the timeline or a memento. Yeah. Of like how on he, a whiteboard. Yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. that. Yeah. With like the 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 story is like a hairpin. He said, and you're going going back and forth, mm-hmm. and 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 one storyline's going backwards, and the other storyline's going forwards, and at the end they meet. And that's what's so genius is like the middle of the story is actually the most like oh my god yeah memento was great i really like oh, memento yeah a lot. memento is amazing but that was like manageable like mentally mm-hmm. <laughs> tennis like yeah tennis <laughs> is like if memento's inception you know if memento's forward timeline and backward timeline were happening at this on on the screen at the same time yeah with different characters doing it he's just got to stick to like the present time no dream world no like backwards oh. yeah i want to see like a a rom-com from chris a rom-com from chris <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's... Tim, we got I, think, I think that's the here. most ridiculous thing you ever said Tim. <laughs> i've heard you say some whoppers but that's some, some whoppers yeah <laughs> just one timeline yeah i wonder what it's like to yeah just no. be christopher yeah. Nolan. Man, we got sidetracked. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Dune. Mm-hmm. You Desert Planet, lots of spice, worms. You would recommend this to people? Oh, yeah, I would. I mean, I think, you know, take it with a grain of sand, sand. if you will. <laughs> or spice. Um, <laughs> you have to like sci-fi. If you don't like sci-fi, you're not going to like this movie. Is that right? 
This book? Yeah. Did I see the movie? All right. If you don't like sci-fi, you're not going to like this book, but right? I'm, I'm not the biggest sci-fi person, but I still appreciate it. You're, you're not, but yeah. you've seen the Star Wars movies. Yeah, yeah. You've you have to like sci-fi a little bit, yeah. I think. Yeah. That's, at least that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Is like, you just have to have an, a pre, somewhat um, tolerance to sci-fi stories. Mm-hmm. Like, if you like Star Wars, you like this book. And just, I would say, give it a couple chapters. Just try to like mm-hmm. let yourself get into the world building aspect and... Uh, you could get lost in it. Yeah. Right. Agreed. And I think this was good to read a, a novel because we've read a couple of nonfiction before this. Mm-hmm. And I think this was a nice, for me, it was a nice change of pace to read a fictional story and, and just go along for the ride and not have to, I don't know, think about how this book applies to my everyday life. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's true. So I, I like our method of picking a mix of nonfiction and fiction. I think it's healthy just for your mind to just kind of like mm-hmm. not get too entrenched in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Cause like too much nonfiction is just like, you know, that's just the real world, but too much fiction. It's like, how do you connect it to your life too? I don't know. But pros I mean, to both. but you know, but I think, I think, I think there could be arguments made for focusing on either one. Nonfiction is, it's definitely relates to the world we live in and is applicable to your everyday life. Fiction is escapism. It, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just it's just being entertained by the story for the sake of the story and liking the characters and what's going to happen. But there's a big range of fiction. Like we're not reading like those off the shelf airport novels that are like junk kind of Correct. like yeah. or like something like this. I mean, you could gain insights that could translate. Right. Like a lot of like uh, successful people. Um, I don't know, like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, who mm-hmm. have their own controversies, I know, but like mm-hmm. they are, uh, were really inspired by sci fi and like have built all these things, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm sure partly due to their uh, imagination being um, primed, you know, primed sci-fi. on sci fi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazon primed. Yeah. God. <laughs> Hate Amazon. But yeah, uh, fiction, nonfiction, it's good to be well rounded. Yeah. You want me to do some quotes? Yeah, go for it. Just a few, because this is the main one, I think, for the whole book. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Ooh. Yeah. I think that's good. So Paul's like stoicism is what helped him be such a great like leader. And, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I like that concept of letting, letting fear pass through you. Don't block it. Don't try to deny that it is happening. Let it flow through you. And it's almost like you, if you let it through, kind of I vision like a, almost like an electrical circuit. If you see it flow through you, then you can know where know how fear affects you and be better prepared to remove that part or to try to you know harden that part to prevent or keep fear from affecting the rest of you yeah to me it felt kind of like a buddhist thing where it's Uh, like you know instead of rejecting a negative emotion or something just let it come and experience it and then that like what you resist persists or whatever like you gotta just get through the fear was there i mean i guess the Bene Gesserit were kind of a religious um, entity. 
of this universe. There, there wasn't much else when it comes to religion. I but guess like the Fremen kind of had their own yeah, religious culture, right? And and Paul was fulfilling a kind of messiah like, yeah, figure in that. Yeah. Well, but no, I th- I just felt like the Bene Gesserit had the best mottos and sayings to to withstand fear and and anger and and tur- turmoil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was good, good book. Yeah. Rating time? Go for it. I'll go first so I don't get accused of copying. <laughs> I'm going to rank it a four out of five. Ooh. Yeah. What My are you turn. You'd go I, I was between a four and a five. Really? Yeah. Just because, like, it's super creative. I think for me, maybe towards the end, like we were talking about, it kind of tapered off a little bit mm-hmm. and, um, you know, had all these other installments. So, yeah, I guess I'd lean towards a four. Okay. But, um, but yeah, it it holds its own with all these other epics out there, and I'm excited to see what the movie will be oh, like. Oh, yes. I think this is great. I mean, I am super stoked for the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. All yeah. Right. All right, so. What's next? What is next, Tim? The post, post Office? Post Office, yeah. By Charles Bukowski. Yeah. Why'd you pick? Or, I guess... We'll talk Be- about that next of, time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> but in the meantime, if you want to read the post office with us, please do so. You can go to our website, twoguysonebook.com, uh, and leave comments on the post office or Dune or any other book we've read, and you'll see what books we're reading past the post office. So, um, yeah, twoguysonebook.com. Until then. Until then. Keep reading. Keep, keep reading. <laughs> we need a better motto.